Today on the Almond Journey podcast. We have irrigators out there. We're not trying to replace them. We're trying to achieve more with less. So how can you keep that person, but enable him to do a little bit more with his time than, than he was able to do five, 10 years ago? We're talking automation and its role in orchard operations with almond grower, Jared Green. Welcome back to the Almond Journey podcast brought to you by the Almond Board of California. On this show, we discover how growers, handlers, and other stakeholders are making things work in their operations to drive this almond industry forward. I'm your host, Tim Hamrich, and I'm traveling up and down the valley, virtually in this case, to feature these leaders who are finding innovative ways to improve their operations, connect with their local communities, and advance the almond industry. Today, we head out to Fireball, California to visit with almond grower Jared Green. Jared grew up around agriculture, but didn't always know he would end up pursuing farming as his career. But then in 2013, he took a summer internship with his current employer, which is San Juan Ranch or Nickel Family Farms. And that led him on a journey from initially washing shop windows to eventually irrigation scheduling to now full on farm management. In today's episode, Jared shares some great insights on where automation is fitting into their almond operation, especially when it comes to irrigation and spraying. And he also gets into some of the technologies he's excited to implement in the future. Jared's passion for finding ways to produce more with less has really shown through since he started his farming career, or as he likes to put it, since farming found him. Farming kind of found me. And once it did, I, it just never let go. And so, um, had had a, a family connection with uh, some of the people out here. And so looking for some summertime work and got out here and, and really enjoyed it. Um, this wasn't something that uh, I was intending on doing. Growing up as a kid, we were always uh, around ag and uh, I was involved in ag. My dad works for Foster Farms and, and we farmed early, early years um, in Denaire, California. And so, um, you know, I was always around it. My uncle still farmed. So any, any chance I could, I tried to get down there uh, as much as I could. I just always found a, a calling in a sense to getting out to the farm. Um, but yeah, while I was going through college and in high school, it, farming wasn't necessarily uh, what I was looking for. Um, you know, I was, wasn't quite sure what I wanted to do. I knew I wanted to be involved in ag in some way. I really enjoyed uh, the people, the community in ag. And so it wasn't until really that summer job that I came out here that I really started to, to get the, the urge, uh, the necessity of needing to be involved in, in farming. And so I uh, worked out here for the first summer, went back to school. And I think within four or five months, came back to, uh, to Jim Nichols and asked him if I could, uh, you know, work full time and, and put myself through school. He was more than willing to do that and very appreciative of him for doing that for me. But I, uh, yeah, put myself through school, uh, finished up at Fresno State working here the whole time um, throughout that. And then, um, you know, when I first started, I was mainly working underneath our agronomist, trying to learn as much as I could. Uh, it's pretty fresh, <laughs> pretty green on a lot of things. And so, uh, you know, I just tried to soak up as much as I could uh, with him and uh, rode around with him, uh, you know, just, just trying to spend as much time as I could basically with him, trying to learn something completely new to me. And uh, so worked under him for the majority of my time uh, while I was going to school. After I got done with school, started to be able to take on a little bit more. And so then starting to get more into uh, drip station design and uh, fertility side and, and this and that. 
And um, it wasn't until about 2019 that uh, I ended up taking over the almond operation for the company. And so uh, we farm just under 7,300 acres in, in our area and uh, a lot of row crops. Uh, so processing tomatoes, some fresh market, alfalfa, cantaloupes, cotton, and then, of course, almonds. And so uh, when I first started here, we were at about 200 acres of almonds. Um, and we were just getting ready to plant another just over 200 acres at that time. So nowadays, uh, we're just under 1,600 acres of almonds. Uh, with uh, another 200 going in next year and, you know, hopeful the continuation of, of more and more almonds. Uh, it's something that I've, I've really enjoyed. It wasn't where I first started, but I, I, I just always enjoyed my time spent in, in the almonds, whether it was looking at the trees, walking through the orchards or taking tissue samples or, or whatever it was. I, I, I just always felt like that's where I wanted to be more so than other areas. So I really tried to push myself to learn as much as I could and kind of continue on with where we kind of left off. That's great. And then, so what's that look like, you know, from 2013 to today, uh, as far as the trajectory, you know, how, how did you kind of gradually take on more responsibility? What did that look like specifically, you know, with the almonds? Yeah, when I, when I first started and first started working underneath our agronomist, uh, you know, he, he did the agronomy work on, on the trees, tomatoes, cotton, corn, um, cantaloupes, everything. And so, I was involved with the almond side, but to an extent, uh, you know, when, when you're farming as many acres as we are, you, you kind of have to bounce around a little bit of everything. And I, I worked in it, but I, I wasn't fully involved in it yet. It wasn't until the, uh, the retirement of our agronomist that I started getting more of a, of a role, I, I guess I should say, in, into the almonds. At that time, it was uh, one person ahead of me and myself that, uh, that were uh, running the almonds. And so at that point, I was really trying to learn as much as I could from him. And he came more from a managerial background. So I tried to first learn underneath the agronomy background and then go into the managerial background. And then he ended up moving on back in 2019. And that's when I found my opportunity to kind of cement myself into that role. And so um, throughout that time, through the uh, six years of, uh, from me starting to me uh, ending up taking over the almonds, each year I kind of grew a little bit more and more involved into the almonds. You know, first started just trying to help with the irrigation schedule and making sure things happen to then making those decisions. It, it was really interesting because you learned, you learned about the problems on the ground because you were the one, man, you know, monitoring the problems on the ground. So you learn that situation first and then start moving up and then understanding, hey, we need to go do this, but be aware of this and that, you know, that could affect our uh, overall goal. And so um, I really felt like I learned from from the ground up. And um, I, I think that's that's really helped me in where I'm at today. Very cool. And, uh, you know, of of the uh, the responsibilities you've taken on in the almonds, you know, which area of it captures your interest most in kind of learning more and, and finding ways to improve the operation? What excites me the most about what I need to learn more about on, on the almond side is, you know, living here in California is the water side. You know, how can you make sure that, that every drop is truly as meaningful as it can be? And so, you know, that, that's something I think that we'll continue to learn and continue to progress in, in over the years. It's not something I think we'll We'll ever get to a point, well, hopefully we get to a point where we say, hey, we finally got it all the way figured out. But 
it's a learning process and it's going to take uh, some time to, to, to get to that point where we're getting better and better each year, but there's, there's always room for improvement. And so to me, that's the most exciting part of it is, is learning how to deal with these challenges that you're facing. And here in California, you know, water's been one of the biggest challenges and then, and then the labor side of it. And how do you help minimize the labor issue? Uh, you know, minimum wages going up year after year. It's harder to retain employees. You know, there's more job competition out there. And so how do you combat these challenges? You know, I, I've really tried to focus in on the automation side for the business. And that's where, you know, I can see a lot of solutions being developed is, is through this automation side and uh, using those tools to help, you know, help allow you to do more with less time. And uh, and do more with with less, basically, and, and, and overall, uh, less time, less less money, less uh, less water. How, how can you do all these things more, but using less inputs? And so, um, you know, the automation is where I really see uh, the game changer. Whether that's today or whether that's five, ten years from now, I think some of the stuff still has a long ways to go, and some of the stuff's almost there. Um, but that that's what excites me the most is is. Really, uh, you know, refining uh, your models, refining what you're trying to do and adapting and, and, and improving. And is there anything you're, you're already using today that maybe you weren't, you know, when you started? Yeah. So when, when I first started, the, the, the agronomist I mainly worked under, he, he was always a proponent of the, the automation. And we're talking back in 2013. And so, you know, automation has been around. This is automation irrigation uh, uh, systems. And um it's been around for a long time before 2013, but you know, that's when we first started kind of looking at it. And it, at, at that time, you know, the, the cost to try to go do it were, were pretty high. And so, and the labor was cheap. So it was hard to kind of go and justify doing it. Now, I think a, a lot of these systems have improved over the years and I'm, I'm glad we didn't go jump into it right at the start because I think maybe we would have been a little frustrated. Um, because we played around with some and, uh, we like some and, and don't like others. And so what we've learned is just cause it can promise to do everything doesn't mean it does it all well. When it comes to some of these systems, yeah, they might be able to do the reporting side, uh, uh um, tracking how many gallons, uh, went out per set through the whole season, but how, how accurate is that? You know, we've come across some that, Okay, yeah, it's it's calculating all this. That's great, but then when I go to the valve control and it's yeah, I've told it to run this set, and in all reality, it hasn't ran that set, but it ran the other set. Well, then all my information is getting skewed in a, in a sense. And so where we went was going from trying to 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 grasp everything, you know, have the automation do everything, data collection, operation, all the different parts of the irrigation system to now go into something that's a little bit more dependable, but doesn't have all the, the bells and whistles. Now we go with a system that it, it turns the system on and off, turns the, the pumps at the drip station on and off, the flush control on and off, uh, fertilizer control on and off, and valves on and off. And so the way I've looked at it is, hey, you know what, that, that part's there, and it's there for a reasonable price. And so if we could start implementing that, understanding what that, what that involves, uh, what it takes to maintain it, what it takes to control it, then the, the other part of it will come and it will come at a, at a much more efficient uh, pace. You know, some of these were requiring you to put uh, uh, cell service at every valve 
And when you start <laughs> adding up all the different SIM cards you got to put out there, it starts adding up some some money. Then then you know data transfer and and how to transfer the data from your drip system over to your computer. Well, you're you're spending money doing that as well. And so, you know, there was a lot of benefits uh, and a lot of great tools and, and things that a lot of these companies offer. I, I just felt that, hey, let's go get the bare bones. Let's get that part figured out. Let's get that dialed in and then work towards our next goal, which is the automatic data collection. So right now I can get on my, my laptop, my iPhone, and uh, I can control just about two, just over 2,000 acres of uh, automated uh, cropland right now. And, and what I found also is I don't want to be the only one controlling this. You know, we have irrigators out there. We're not trying to replace them. We're trying to, you know, go back to that, achieve more with less. So how can you keep that person, but enable him to do a little bit more with his time than, than he was able to do five, 10 years ago? What I've tried to do recently is really pass down this information. So the system that we're using today is, is really, really simple. As long as you've had some experience using your, your cell phone, you can use these systems. You know, like I tell all my guys, hey, you're not going to you're not going to know it right off the bat. You know, it, it's practice makes perfect. And, and I always tell them, hey, I I even mess up. You know, I, I've, I've used these systems for six years now. And, and even still to this day, I'll make mistakes. But, you know, you, you're never going to know those mistakes unless you try. And so we've really tried to enforce, hey, you know what? We'll take two, three guys and uh, this year and, and try to teach them how to operate it, how to use it. Then the next year, try to take another two, three guys, show them what you're doing, show them how to how to work it, and then let them try to try to run it. And what I found is is it gives them a little bit more responsibility, which they enjoy, and it gives them another tool uh, that they're they're able to do more with their less time. So right, no, that makes perfect sense. And you know, I like what you're saying about this is the most important thing. Let's just get it down to bare bones of what's the one thing that we want it to do right. It's you know to be able to it sounds like remotely turn the valves on. Yes. Yeah. Because in, in years past, you know, you would come across situations where, okay, the, the quitting time's 4.30. Well, this one irrigator's got four drip stations he's got to take care of. So for him to get back to the shop by 4.30, you know, where you should have been running eight hour sets, now you're cutting your set short or cutting some sets a little bit longer. And so it's, it's also getting on the accuracy of what you're trying to do. So if you're wanting an eight hour set, you're putting an, an actual eight hour set on. You're not putting a six and a half hour set. You're not putting a seven hour set. You're putting an eight hour set on. Or for the fertilizer part of it, if you're trying to put out 300 gallons, you're going to put out 300 gallons exactly. You're not, you're not going to have to rely on the irrigator to say, hey, you know what? I got to get to three other spots before the end of the day. I got to cut this one a little bit short or go a little bit heavier here. And so you're, you're not only doing more with less time, but you're being more accurate about what you're doing. That makes sense. Yeah. So what would be the next thing that you would hope for? If you're just going to go to step two, like you said, don't try to, you know, boil the ocean here by doing everything, but what would just be like the next most important thing when it comes to, you know, overall irrigation automation that, that you would say would be the next step? I think the next step comes in the reporting side. And so, you know, how do you extract that information out? And so I, 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 that for us is, is our next part. Uh, you know, I still have a little ways to go in, in terms of completely automating the whole ranch. That is one of my goals. So get that done first. Once we get that, then see what's out there for the data collection side, whether that's Bluetooth or, you know, sending, sending that information to a centralized area. Get that information because it's useful information. And, and if you can get real-time information like that, 
it, it just helps everybody make better decisions. And so to me, um, that's that's the next step for the, the automated irrigation side is, is the data collection part of it. Uh, we already automated, um, you know, the fertilizers, the, the watering side, and then even some sulfuric acid where, uh, you know, you put a set point for your pH value and then the, the pump automatically adjusts itself based on the water quality coming in. So my main goal with the almond orchards was try to eliminate as many passes, human passes as we can through the orchard. So you add in the automated irrigation system, you add in the automated fertigation system, you add in the automated sulfuric acid. We did that in order to start putting gypsum silos up. And I would always run out of time at the end of the year trying to get all my gypsum onto the orchards. So I said, hey, you know what, how can I get away from that? I'm always struggling to try to get this job done and it's a critical job. We have salts in this area. And so how do we deal with that? And then some, you know, water penetration issues in some of our blocks. And so I, I went to a, a silo application process instead of having to run tractors through the field and, and you know, post harvest or uh, early spring. Now, now I'm just doing it through my silos with every irrigation I'm putting on. And so that, that enables me to not have to send tractors throughout my field. That's uh, one less pass I have to do. My main goal is to eliminate as many passes as I can throughout the orchard and automate as much as I can. Yeah. No, it makes a lot of sense. Um, so if I understand correct, you guys have close to doubled your almond acreage, you know, since since you've been there through these efforts to kind of do more with less. Have you had to double your your team to do that or kind of what's the difference in team look from where you were to today? We've actually, in a, in a sense, lessened our team. And so, you know, we we still have, uh, you know, tools available to us and we rely on. But uh, I would say, you know, a couple of years ago, we had maybe three people looking at the almonds and today now it's, it, it's myself. And then I work together with another company kind of helping me um, learn the uh, irrigation scheduling on, on almonds. And so uh, the whole goal there is we started out with them about four years ago and the whole goal work together with them, fully understand what you're doing, what you're applying, how to apply it, when to apply it. So we've had a pretty good partnership with them. So lost two added added a group, you know, just recently I, I took over half of those acres. And so um, I'm trying to learn more and more and better myself and, and get ready for, for the possibility of being able to take all of that on at, at some time down the road. What kind of gets me skeptical is, is when a company comes out to you and, and tells you they can do everything. I've been told that many times before and then uh, and not been too impressed by, by some of those. Uh, so I tend to, to lean on somebody that will say, hey, this product can do this. And then I want to start asking more questions. When somebody tells me you can do everything, I become a little skeptical of, of what it can and cannot do. Uh, it seems a little too broad. And, you know, with a lot of this automation stuff, it's, a lot of it's pretty finicky. You know, it, it has its plus sides and it has its uh, downsides. And, and the downsides, some of it can just be frustrating, you know, and, and being a, a younger um a younger person in this industry, it's, it's helped with understanding a lot of this. You know, I grew up around phones, grew up around computers. And so you had that baseline of, of technology experience. And I think that's been a huge help for me in understanding this. But still, you know, some of this stuff can be frustrating at times. And uh, like I said, we've done the, the automated irrigation, automated fertilizers, uh, sulfuric acid, uh, soil moisture meters, uh, we've done the, the aerial imagery, we've tried permanent pressure bombing, tried that out and um, it's just not quite there yet, you know, but you're never going to know with some of these things unless you try them. And so, you know, 
you got to be willing to give it a try, but also be a bit reserved uh, when you're first starting out with some of this stuff. Because if you try to take on too much, it, it becomes overwhelming and it can kind of be um, a bit of a distraction to the overall goal of what you're trying to achieve. You might get frustrated with the system and then all of a sudden you might say, you know what, I'm done. I'm done with automation. This automated route's not where I want to go. And, and, and that's not the place where we need to be. It, it's trying to learn and adapt. And so if you can take on a, a smaller section of it, it, it becomes a little bit easier. You understand the bare bones, like we said earlier, and then try to expand from there. You know, we, we did something similar to that uh, this year with trying to buy our first automated uh, foliar sprayers for, for our almond orchards. And, you know, the, the question was asked when we, when we were first looking at it, hey, do we want to go get a whole new fleet or do we want to buy one, two and try to learn it? And I was a big proponent of, you know, hey, let's go buy one or two and, and try to figure this thing out before we decide, hey, let's go get the whole fleet. And um, it was a huge help because there was times that you get frustrated and all of a sudden, hey, I'm only running one sprayer. And so if you had a fleet of them, you know, now you got three, four machines sitting there parked while you got one working. And so, you know, it, for me, it was, it was a big benefit to learn with two. I uh, first started taking the one unit out and, and sending that on its path, creating its map, sending it on its route. Started getting a handle of that, seeing what it uh, could and could not do and, and learning the tricks of it. And then that's when I added the second machine and bring the second machine in and start learning what it's like to have two machines running at the same time. Uh, because it's totally different than, than running your conventional uh, tractor and sprayer. It takes time to understand it. And I'm very grateful for only having the, the, the two at the start to really understand that. Give me that chance to understand it and not get overwhelmed by it. That's a big point is, is don't overwhelm yourself by some of this automation. Just, you know, take it, take it one step at a time. And I, I think that's one of the biggest, uh, biggest ways you can, you can overcome automation is just taking it one step at a time. Do, do you feel ready to add to that fleet now? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. What, what once took me, you know, two, three hours to go map a field, I can now remap a field in 10 minutes. And so it's a lot of learning, you know, at the, at the start, it's brand new. And so it's working with things you've never worked with before. But as long as you can understand some basics of computer technology, you, yeah, you, you'll pick it up. And so if you can operate a computer, you can operate those machines. You know, it's, it's just having more practice with it. And shoot, I've come close to driving them into a ditch, but, but I never have. So I <laughs> came very close, but you don't want to do that. It's not too much to handle if, if you take it in, in pieces. Yeah. Yeah. And I could definitely see with that being similar to what your, your point was on the irrigation automation, which is like, hey, let, we don't need to cut the, the person completely out of this, but maybe we can automate something so we make sure it gets done more efficiently and thoroughly and effectively every single time. Correct. And, and, you know, when, uh, going back to when we first put our first automated irrigation system in, yeah, you know, I tried talking to the guys, you know, I, I ran the system and then explained to them, Hey, this is where I have the water. Um, you know, just, just watch, um, watch, watch for the scheduling. I, I'll schedule it based off the, the, the schedule I hand out to you guys. So you'll know exactly where the water is at what time. And when they first looked at that, they, I think they kind of looked at it as, as something that would possibly take their job. And so what I, what I really tried to communicate to them uh, was that, hey, this, this isn't anything to take anybody's job away. This is, this is here as a tool for us to do more with less. 
And so this is to prevent us from having to hire more people, not not to ever replace the person that that's already there. And um, once they got to a point of understanding that, uh, you know, they they were much more uh, pleased with the system. You know, early days, uh, oh no, this is basura, it's basura, and then, then later on, oh no, this thing's great. You know, and so yeah, I think once they got to the point of realization that hey, this isn't to replace your job, this is this is just to help us overall do more with less. Once we got to that understanding. You know, people were much more okay with it. It's it's a hard thing because margins are getting tighter and tighter. So you're looking for savings wherever you can. And so a lot of people look at automation as as job replacement. And I think that's kind of the wrong way to look at it. I I, I think it, it all goes back to doing more with less. I, I think that's the best way to rationalize it. Because when you start looking at job replacement, then you start getting unrealistic expectations. And when it comes back to the the irrigation automation side, I still need somebody driving around making sure, you know, there's water in the canal. I, I still need people, you know, making sure I don't have a leak spraying at, at, at the, the irrigation system. Yeah, I'll get reports based off of incorrect pressures or incorrect flows. But at the same time, you know, if you got a, a crack in the line, your pump could kick up higher horsepower and putting on, you know, more water and you might not catch it uh, as quickly as you want. So you still need personnel on the ground. You still need people out there monitoring this. It's just being able to do more. And I think that's probably the best way to look at automation. Well, great perspective there from Jared Green of San Juan Ranch or Nickel Family Farms. If you want to follow up with Jared, uh, you're much more likely to find him out in the orchard than online. He says he's decided to not have any social media accounts. Well, behind every tool that provides real value in the orchard are years of research and development. That's what's going to drive the next breakthroughs in automation. And it's the focus of today's ABC update. Well, you just heard there from Jared Green how helpful irrigation automation has been to his operation. But what will the next steps in irrigation automation look like, both in terms of labor savings, but also increased efficiency? In order to answer that question, researchers are testing and validating a wide variety of technologies. Sebastian Saw is the Associate Director of Agricultural Research at the Almond Board of California. He's assembled and supported a group of researchers on behalf of the almond industry to coordinate a collaborative effort called T-Rex, or Tree Crop Remote Sensing of Evapotranspiration experiment. What our portfolio to focus on is to define when to irrigate, how much to irrigate, where to irrigate, and at the end of the day, how to irrigate uh, your almond orchard. So in the area of how much to irrigate, something that's an area that we're working with a big community of researchers from the USDA, from the University of California that are also in connection with NASA and Google Earth, etc. And they are developing the technology or enabling the technology to visualize how much our trees are actually transpiring at a high resolution level. So at the end of the day, our growers can see how much our trees are transpiring and therefore they have a much better idea of how much they need to apply. This is a concept called actual tree evapotranspiration, which I would call as the evolution of tree evapotranspiration, and which is in the way we do it today. And along with this effort to give growers a clear picture of actual ET, the Almond Board is supporting research on yield prediction and estimation. These two connect because the hope is that this can help make sure growers are meeting water needs of each individual tree efficiently and precisely. We know that even high-performing orchards will have huge variability in terms of yield. What we don't know exactly yet, and I don't think anybody has figured it out at the best of my knowledge, is how that yield can actually guide how much water to apply. 
And that's an area of research that we hope to have a better answer in the future. We know that water affects yield, but we don't really understand how the equation works the other way around. This investment in research and development into both yield prediction and estimation, as well as the visualization of actual evapotranspiration, really starts to open the door for variable rate irrigation and fertigation to be a much more realistic option to be even more precise in the future. At the end of the day, I think the designs, the irrigation designs need to evolve. And we're working with irrigation designers, etc., to design for flexibility rather than just designing for how much water I have divided by how many acres I have. I think that old school of how to design, it's a little bit of obsolete. It needs to incorporate many more factors, such as the soil variability, and at the end of the day, how much the trees are transpiring. So there is still a lot of room for innovation and new companies that we have seen that are emerging in that area. But I have to admit that when you get to the three by three resolution basis, it's still a little bit not affordable. But I'm optimistic that as we discover tools in this area and as um, the in innovation progresses, we will get to a higher resolution than today. Well, Sebastian just recently attended the FIRA USA conference, which focused on automation to interact with both growers and technology providers there. And he's looking forward to the Almond Conference next month, where him and his team get to share how industry-funded research can really help with growers' bottom lines. We have focus our conference into more efficiency, more savings. And, and I want to invite uh, our growers and all of our industry to our sessions. Just to mention some of them, I'm going to be moderating the fertigation session. It's the fertigation when times are tight. So you can see from the title that we really are considering that. Also irrigation, the title of the session is Irrigation in Stressful Times. And we have organized a grower breakfast on Thursday morning where uh, we're going to actually be talking about profitability, high input costs, and it's going to be a nice breakfast discussion organized by Michael Roots. So I really think we're going to be talking much more about this during the three days of our conference. So make sure you join Sebastian and really the entire almond industry at the Almond Conference, which is happening very soon, December 6th through the 8th at the Safe Credit Union Convention Center in downtown Sacramento. Register and get all the details over at almonds.com forward slash conference. We'll include that in the show notes as well, but it's just almonds.com forward slash conference. All of us here at the Almond Journey podcast believe everyone in the almond industry has a story of their own, of how they're making things work on their farms or in their jobs. Hearing the voices of industry leaders, people like Jared Green, may have sparked a connection or an idea that you can use in your own journey. And that's why we want to feature these stories of innovation, resilience, and community here on this podcast. I hope you'll come along for the ride by subscribing to the show on your podcast platform of choice. And please pass it along to someone else in the industry so we can all share in this almond journey together.